There's so much here in these verses that I've covered, that your past pastors have covered, your Sunday school teachers have covered, things and reminders like we talked about Christmas Eve, that when God shows up with an angel, he routinely says to the people of God, you don't have to fear. You also see in this passage the recounting of Isaiah's prophecy, this reminder again that God's been faithful to his Word. We, we've been told that if you do the math in Jesus' 33 or so years of life, he fulfilled 300 or more prophecies that God keeps his word. God is faithful. We could go through this passage as well and just looking through this reminder in verse 21, and we just sang about it in the second verse of the hymn we just sang, the reminder of why Jesus came for us. Now listen, we're going we're gonna to begin a series next week on that. Uh, we've talked before about why the cross, why resurrection, why Pentecost, why incarnation, well, why salvation? Why did Christ save us? What did he offer for us in our salvation? At the heart of it, at the core of it, is salvation from sin. And you see that in verse 21 here. Matthew is a Jew writing to unbelieving Jews. And when he talks to them, He doesn't say, as much as he might want Rome to leave, as much as he might want that pagan oppressor to be gone, he knows he does not need a political Messiah. And he might share with us Matthew 5 through 7 and recount all those Beatitudes, recount the Sermon on the Mount, but what we don't need is just a teacher or a guru. What he's reminding us from the very first pages of his gospel is we have a sin issue and we need a Savior and Christ was born to die for us. So there's so much here that you and I have have recounted and, and gone through year after year, but what I want us to do this morning is what you've been doing all week, right? Turkey sandwiches, turkey hash, turkey, whatever it is, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, right? And you're just finishing, you're just gonna take whatever you can get out of that fridge, and that's what we wanna do this morning. What else is here? What else is here? We go through this story so often, and rightly so, to honor the incarnation of Christ, the purposes of God made evident in Christ. This is who God is, and he's come for your salvation. But what else is here? Let's really look and see. What more can you tell us of who we're to be in light of Christ's birth, but also what do we see here of God and his activity? So let's look to ourselves. What do we see in Joseph's story? I know we looked at him two or three weeks ago, but what do we see again in his story that needs to be our story? And first would be this. Pain does not define his performance. Pain does not define his performance. Like I've shared with you before, I've had this off and on back issue for years And I'm telling you, long-term pain, and some of y'all know that, long-term pain can begin to change you, right? But you look at Joseph's life, the pain he had, uh, and and, and it had to be deeply emotional, this, this relational breakup, and some of us have been there in just deep emotional pain. Maybe it's relational pain. Maybe it's grief, physical pain. Whatever it might be, you've got it going on, not just in Joseph's life, but we remember that about we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness, who knew what it was to, to suffer horrific physical pain. We'll never even fully, I don't even know if in glory we'll fully get all that was spiritually transacted for us on the cross. As well as the emotional pain of of dying in front of his mother, 
struggling with betrayal from friends, having the full weight of the cross on him and him sweating blood in the garden and just being vulnerable with friends and saying to them, I'm at the point of death. Can't you guys stay up with me? Real struggle, real pain on multiple levels. And you look at Joseph's life here in verse 19. He was unwilling to put her basically to shame. He looked to divorce her quietly. Now, they weren't married, but they were betrothed. And yet, here he is, not wanting to shame her as he gets this news that she's with child. And why is it he doesn't want to shame her? What does our scripture say? Because he was a just man. He was a righteous man. And so his pain won't define his performance. The hurt and the shock of this news had to be so unsettling, maybe even crippling, thinking of all the loss at that moment, all the loss of time that he invested in this relationship is gone. Also, sadly, just losing face in that community. That's a small community, Nazareth. It's not even mentioned in the Old Testament. It's not mentioned when they talk about the towns of Galilee. Nobody mentions that in history. It's a small town, and small town people talk, and he would have lost face and the pain of that. I shared with you three or four years ago uh, that I I used to write music, and I was in a band that played at Bellhaven, and Sarah and I had been dating a year or two, and uh, they had my band come play in the bowl at Bellhaven, and I had written five, six, seven, eight songs about her that the band played, and the day before the concert, she broke up with me. It's not funny. So she breaks up with me, and then the next night at Bellhaven, she's there front row, this, and, and you know, I'm having to sing all those songs, you know, and just grit my teeth, and she's crying, and everybody's like, oh, because they didn't know, and she's like, oh, she's moved. No, she was sad, you know, we'd broken up, and Here's the deal. Why did you sing those songs? You had other songs you had written. You had other songs you could have played because I couldn't tell the boys what had happened. It hurt enough to be broken up with, and I didn't want to lose face with them and say, because if I had said to them, she broke up with me, what would their response be? If you know Sarah, what did you do, Barry? Right? You blew it. How could you have messed that up? You know? And so I didn't tell those guys. I didn't tell my friends. It's, it's just too, too crushing. And then weeks or months later, we got back together. Uh, But that pain of everybody knows your stuff and everybody's going to be talking about your stuff. Did Joseph, is he going to lose business over this? Is his family going to have struggles? Joseph is still a righteous man even when it hurts. They say that character is what you do when no one is looking. Well, the same goes for what you do when it hurts. He was a righteous man. He's a just man, and he presses through his pain. He kept his character. Pain can't be an excuse to lose our character, to lose our faithfulness uh, to Jesus. He does the right thing, and pain will not determine his performance. That culture certainly could have and probably would have shamed Mary. They would have said, you go for it, Joseph. All those questions about the paternity of Christ, you just do it. We'll kick her out of the synagogue. They might even threaten to do more. And he planned to do this quietly. Paul says of the church, 
to the to husbands, you love your wives like you do the church. Again, they're betrothed, which is not married, but it's close to it. And, and, and yet Joseph stands in the gap, even though he might have felt betrayed, I'm going to stand in the gap for my betrothed and do this quietly. His pain does not define his de- performance, but I love this as we go through this. His name helps define his performance. We all need reminders. We all need encouragement to be who we are supposed to be. And one of the great gifts of scriptures is we're given names and titles as believers that we need to hold on to and remind ourselves who we are and whose we are when times like this get very tough. God's already walked through those 14 generations, this generation, to to, to Abraham, um, Abraham to David, David, on and on to get to Jesus. But what he's really also doing is talking of the Davidic kingship, that line of the Messiah and the king and Joseph's of that line. And so when you get to verse 20, what what is it that the angel says to Joseph? His name's... Names carry weight, and they mean things. I looked some of them up last week. There's actually a kid somewhere named Adam Baum. I don't know if you want to be named Adam Baum, but that's actually his name. My childhood doctor, some of y'all may have known him, wonderful doctor in South Jackson. It's not the name you want for your doctor, Dr. Guess. You don't want that name when you have a doctor. Woman's name, Fanny O'Rear. That's just redundant. Yeah, so. And then there was a cardinal in the Catholic Church, a Filipino cardinal. His name was Cardinal Sin. There's a lot to live up to, you know, if you're, you know, just can't be an ordinary sinner. Joseph, son of David, remember who you are. Remember whose you are. I didn't just say Joseph. But God speaking through the angel in a dream to Joseph, Joseph, you're a son of David. You're a son of this line, which I have prophesied and promised to bring my Messiah through this line. He reminds him who you are. You've all been there as a child. Mama called you while you were playing in the other room. You didn't listen to the first call. You know she's gracious. She's not like dad. You're going to have at least one or two more before you get in trouble. Mama calls you with that certain tone. You finish up with what you're playing with because you know you're about to be in trouble. Mama used first and last name. You start running. (laughs) Joseph, son of David. And I wonder if that struck something in Joseph. This is who I am. One of the gifts that we can give each other, church, is to remind our family and friends who they are. When they don't feel it, when they're questioning God's love, when they're questioning God's forgiveness in their life, when they're questioning, again, God's call to be something and to do something for the kingdom, we need to remind our friends and family of who they are. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a friend of God if you do what he commands you. You're chosen. If you feel forgotten, Scripture says you're chosen. We need to do that. Joseph, son of David. And when Joseph gets up from that dream, he does exactly what the angel said to do, all that he commanded. And part of it might have been, I think so, this reminding of who he is and whose he is. A couple more things before we close. What do we see then, not just of Joseph's response, but what do we see here of the activity of God? There's obviously so much here at Christmas where we're reminded again 
we see God's activity in working through this family, sovereignly working through this line to bring about the incarnation of Christ. We see all three persons of the Holy Trinity uh, working here, that it's going to have to be the Spirit, uh, as you see here, for this miraculous work uh, to happen, uh, for, for God to bring Christ to save us from our uh, sins. It's going to have to be him. But again, I just I love the names here. He's coming, Jesus, God will save. He's coming to do a a salvific work in Jesus Christ. But just this reminder again, if you go back and look at that genealogy, if you were here a month ago when we looked at that, it is a messy, messy line. It's almost like every other name in Judah, every other name is bad. Sometimes it's more than every other name. But I love that God doesn't have to wait till the next generation to always clean things up. Sometimes you just see God, and this is a good word for us, you see God getting in the middle of brokenness and in the middle of struggle, even in the middle of sin, and bringing about redemption. He can do that for you and for me. He didn't, once David did these horrific things in his life, he didn't say that's end of story. But if you'll listen to Nathan, if you'll repent of your sins, I won't cast you away from my presence. And he doesn't. And David doesn't go back to those sins. When Abraham flirts with, well, you, this is my wife. And you, all the, no, you come back to me and I can do some. Even Manasseh, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, who makes his sons pass through fire. If you go through First, Second Chronicles and get that story again, we're reminded that God even can do something in that life. He doesn't have to wait till the next generation. And we might think it's over with, we're done with, but I love this reminder of the very name of God in verse 23. It's not just I'll save, but I'll get in the midst of where you are and be with you. His name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. We don't have to wait to heaven for be in the presence of God or for God to do something in our lives. The patterns here. Corey talked about it last week with Simeon and Anna, uh, and we see it here again. The Spirit can show up, the Spirit can move, and God can be uh, with us. And maybe there's a reminder here too. Not just that God wants to be in the middle of our stuff and he can do a work. We've got to believe that. But we've also got to know his word because God operates according to not just his holiness and his love, but according to his word. And you see that here as well. Some of us are about to embark on a reading plan tomorrow. Maybe you finished up whatever. There's some reading plans on our website as well. There's also a resource for Tyndale for printed Bibles. If you need something where you just don't want to read online but you need printed, there's some one-year Bibles there we've put up on our website, so go there. And some of you are going to start, bless you, with Genesis. You're going to plow through those 50 chapters of Genesis. That's awesome. Then Exodus, great. Then you're going to get to Leviticus and ooh. You know, there's going to be some of those chapters. You kind of, oh. And then numbers, you have to read those listings. I think that is such a healthy and helpful and important thing to do. And you know it's important because this is where the devil will fight you all the time. He'll fight you at your prayer life and he'll fight you at your Bible reading. He'll just give you a lot of other good things to do. But this is so, this is where so many of the battles of life are won, are in the prayer closet and in the word. And he's so clear in his word here, uh, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken. So whatever God's wanting to do in my life, 
I need to make sure to check that with the Lord. Whatever the Lord has called me not to do or don't want me to do, I have to be in his word to know what those things are. It's important for us. There's, scripture talks about the importance of counsel, and we need our brothers and sisters in Christ to walk with us. It's important to read old books and new books about how I can be faithful in parenting or stewardship or vocation. Yes, do all that work. But I just, I need to know what he says. I, I need to know what he wanted me to know. And he's written it down, as John Wesley would say, he's written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. It can be very confusing in our world. So many voices uh, that we have to be students of the word so that we can be in full alignment with the word. It's all in alignment here born of a virgin, Bethlehem, called out of Egypt, in Nazareth. Just on and on, those prophetic words. And all of Jesus' life perfectly matches up with the word. For you and I, for our attitudes, for our words, for our lives to match the word, we've got to know the word. Everything with Jesus' birth matches the word. There, there are no prophecies about the birth in Buddhism. There's no prophecies about the birth of Muhammad in Islam. No great religious leader has some kind of prophetic word, but in Christ we do. And here's who he will be. Here's where he'll be born. And all of his life matches the word. It's always been God's plan to bring about Christ. And you just see that beautifully given here, and it's in full alignment. So this year, for you, what needs to be in full alignment to the Word of God? Where are you? You know, I'm kind of cloudy on those things. Where do you need to study? I just don't know what it Well, Then how do we get in a daily reading plan, a weekly reading plan, so that your life will match His Word instead of just hoping you're doing your best? Um, how is it we need to be in His Word so our lives can match His Word? We press through the pain. Most of us are in some kind of pain. But we press through the pain and we don't let our pain define our performance. Joseph did not. We remember our names because our names can help define who we are and remind us again what we're to be about. Praise God that the names were given of Christ is that he comes to save and he'll even get into our stuff. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this day when we can assemble together. There is struggle in this room. Many of us, I'm just so grateful we've met today on a day where we might have been tempted uh, to not meet together. Many of us had a difficult week last week. Times of grief, struggle with family, and it's so good to be with church family, uh, but it's good to be in your word and to worship you, to remember again who you are, but also who's we, who, who, who we are in you. We praise you for that. Father, just bless now our response to this word. Whatever struggle we have, that, Father, we will live righteously before you, before you in spite of that. Uh, that, Father, we'll be reminded again of the names that you gift to us. We thank you that you're with us. Father, help us as we commit to be in your word so that all of our lives might be fully aligned with your purposes and your plans for us. And it is in the name of Jesus we pray this prayer. Amen.